You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The SB Nation NFL show is on the clock and we have the 2021 NFL Draft covered from every angle. I am your host, Michael Kist. And we got a banger for you today as we're going to have a delicious and thirst-quenching six-pack of takes stemming from the NFL Draft and the uh, impact that it has on the fantasy landscape. To help me do that, I am pleased to be joined by Kate Majuk of DK Nation, a.k.a. Clairvoyant Kate. Follow her on Twitter <laughs> at FFBallBlast. Kate, how are we doing today? I am doing good. I'm still still processing the NFL Draft, but how fun to talk about real football and have real things to talk about and uh, we're not just making stuff up off the top of our heads anymore we can actually try to begin our analysis on the coming season and I'm excited to do that I'm thrilled for that because it was getting real dark on the timeline in those last couple (laughs) weeks you could tell people were afraid people that are normally just like rock steady just losing their minds a little bit on the timeline as we like (laughs) inched closer to the NFL draft but that's over with and look before we get into the to the show uh, a quick reminder to you gentle listener please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps most when you do that in Apple Podcasts, but whatever your favorite podcast app is, make sure you're following along so you don't miss a thing. Also, we'd love to shout out our gentle listeners and their written reviews from Apple Pods. So if you have a question or a comment, leave it in there, and one of our all-star hosts here at the SB Nation NFL Show will discuss it on air. And hey, tell your friends to join in and uh, listen with you. We're building something really dope here, and uh, we'd love to get as many ears on it as possible. So enough of that. The 2021 NFL draft is almost a week old, and it is such a tsunami of news that there's still plenty to cover and uncover. So Kate, uh, let's get involved with the meat and potatoes of the show here today, which again is going to be our six pack of takes from Kate on the NFL draft and how it affects the fantasy world. And first up, I just need to, I need to get something off my chest before we really, really dig (laughs) in because I have a quick take of my own and it's more of a gripe probably because it really grinds my gears. Uh, And Kate, I don't know where you stand on this or if you've seen it as much as I have, but I absolutely abhor the trend of tweeting that is either showing a four square of four offensive players or like listing all the playmakers a team has on their offense and like asking the question, who can stop this offense? And like every <laughs> variant that we see of that therein. And I'll, I'll give an example. Uh, a couple of days ago, the, the PFF Eagles account uh, did this four square of pictures with that same question. And the players are Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Devonta Smith, and Jalen Rager. Now let's talk about that one by one. Why would why would we say who can stop this offense? Because Jalen Hurts, for my money, like I like I like Jalen Hurts, but like my confidence in him being a franchise quarterback is probably at a three out of ten right now. Like there are major steps for him to take before I consider him a franchise quarterback, a, a, even a replacement level starter. So there's plenty of of room for him to grow, but there's that that the reason for that is is he has a a, a while to go, and hopefully 
you know, Nick Sirianni can get them there. But let's go to the second person, Miles Sanders. Okay, Miles has some juice, right? Like uh, people in, in Philly love him. I think they overvalue him a little bit. Like he's capable of some big runs and, you know, his yards per carry last year, really good at 5.3. But like, let's also consider per PFF, by the way, PFF tweeted this out, per PFF, second highest drop rate among running backs in the league last year. If you really have a potent offense and you have a potent running back, he needs to be involved in the passing game. Miles Sanders was awful, god awful in the passing game, much and less effective the, than he was. The draft pick of Kenny Gainwell there, uh, which was a, a pretty smart pick, maybe not for fantasy managers. Fantasy man- managers are not going to like the Kenny Gainwell pick, but if you're looking for a running back to get involved as a receiver, it's it's really hard to do better than that. Yeah, and that's what Nick Sirianni is is also looking for in his running backs. And just like Doug Peterson, Sirianni wants a running back by committee approach. So, okay, let's go to the third person, Devonta Smith, right? They traded up for him. They got to 10. They got the guy they wanted. They poached him for the for the New York Giants. There was a you know, bunch of stories about that. Okay, cool. I love Devonta. I am not going to talk smack about him. Yeah, he's a little <laughs> bit light. But like every player that he goes up against in the SEC is like, this guy is the best player that I've, I've played against. Like, I'm really high on Devonta. Here's the thing. He has zero catches in the NFL. He was the yep. third wide receiver selected. So w- what do we have to go on there? Because over half of these guys in the first round, and I don't mean to be negative, but it's just a reality, over half of these guys in the first round are going to bust. It's just the way it is. We have no idea who can or can't stop him. And lastly, Jalen Rager, get out of here with that <laughs> because he was a ghost last year and he showed who? effort issues. And he, like, honestly, like, it, it, who outside of Philly is really talking about Jalen Rager? Kate, you. you track the fantasy stuff is is Jalen Rager like this hot fantasy commodity that people are saying that we're sleeping on no and I mean Jalen Rager coming into the 2020 season was a name that everybody was very well hyped for liked him out of school but I mean he he literally did disappear in an offense where there was a lot of room for a playmaker not necessarily like the the ideal recipe there for uh, to have talent emerge but right. there was an opportunity for somebody to take over that that role as a wide receiver one and i mean he was impactless yeah 31 receptions 396 yards and one touchdown and i'm not saying the jury is out on jalen rager but when you put all these four pieces together what do you have um, I, I think a lot I, I, yeah, clicks exactly. I would argue a lot of people can stop this offense. Here's 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 where I'm at with the Eagles' offense right now, and I'm and I'm sorry for 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 hogging uh, this early <laughs> portion of the show, Kate, but it just bugs me so much. But with the Eagles being what I, I think the 26 points per game scoring offense in the NFL last year, if they were to get to around league average, right anywhere from like 14 to 18. I think that is a great sign for multiple reasons that there's reason to be hopeful moving forward for the Eagles offense. I think that is a realistic expectation. A realistic expectation is not saying, man, I think only a couple of defenses can stop this offense. You have no freaking <laughs> clue. All right. That that is my my rant on these these stupid tweets uh, that are out there. Thank you. You have for... to hit the monthly goal for engagements <laughs> on your Twitter account. So that's. That's my take um, because yes, I any of these Eagles. I'm I'm sorry. I, I I get that they're trying to make some moves to put them in a better spot, and hopefully Nick Sirianni can do that. But you're right. What have we seen that will indicate 
to us that they're really going to take the next step. We, we've seen nothing concrete there. Exactly. And the first team that we're going to talk about, your first take has to do with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm wondering if you, if, if you get like the same feeling when you see that lineup because they have some playmakers. Like I really like a lot of the talent they have there. Is Big Ben's top half of his body going to stay connected to the second <laughs> half of his body throughout the course of the 2021 NFL season? I don't know. So when you make that list, Kate, do you get the same feeling that I do? Like, mm, I don't know if it's all that great. You know, I actually don't. Um, I think <laughs> it, the the Pittsburgh Steelers, despite the the questions on offense and the way that everything fell apart in the second half of the season – they're still really productive from a fantasy football standpoint. And mm. I mean, my God, when you look at the number of options, uh, if you just draft a straight line of Steelers in, let's say, a best ball league, you're probably yeah. going to score a lot of points by year's end. Um, and I, I think you're going to find yourself pretty happy. But yeah, my my first take here, it, it does involve a Pittsburgh Steeler. I want to talk about Najee Harris, and I'm mm. I'm going to make – my bold claim here, I, this is going to be a mix of bold claims and just general, general, uh, you know, analysis and general and analysis. That. But um, yeah, my my bold take is that Najee Harris is going to outperform all second year running backs. Uh, that includes the Cam Akers of the world, the J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift's, Antonio Gibson's, uh, who are all being drafted very highly when you look at mock drafts. When you look at dynasty startup drafts, all of these guys are just going so, so early. Najee Harris, goodness gracious, they're, they're, uh, you know, we're all fading Najee Harris because of Pittsburgh's offensive line. I don't think we should be doing that. Najee <laughs> Harris is a mother stinking beast. He is, <laughs> he is just an absolute beast. Uh, even looking back to the 2020 season, I know we all uh, remember James Conner as garbage, but when you actually look back at what James Conner accomplished um, in games where he played over 60% of the snaps, he was averaging 17.5 touches per game. Mm. And those games that he wasn't playing more than 60% of the snaps, the bulk of that time, he was banged up on and off the field with injuries. He would come out, get tended to on the sideline. Blue medical tent, all that. Scored a touchdown in six of ten games where he had more than 60% of the snaps. I mean, Najee Harris is set to be an absolute force, and he's going to be a workhorse, like, without question. Never had more than six – or, sorry, never had fewer than six yards per touch in his NCAA career. Ooh. I think he's just going to knock it out of the park in, in Pittsburgh. And you know what? If if we're sticking to the narrative that Ben will continue to throw the ball, you know, five five yards down the field every single right. time, right. what what a perfect outlet it, it would <laughs> be for a guy like Najee Harris to just take it to the house. He don't need no offensive line when you can <laughs> hurdle all of these grown men. I just think Najee Harris, everybody's sleeping. Um, and, you know, they did add a couple of pieces uh, Kendrick Green and, and Pat Farmuth, they are, I think, going to be impact players uh, in the blocking scheme from day one. I, don't sleep. Don't sleep. I love it. Yeah. And look, almost 2,000 yards from scrimmage last year alone, 1,500 the year before, right? 43 catches, 425 yards, four touchdowns in the receiving game as a, as a Crimson Tide member there. He, and, and he's great in pass pro. You don't have to take him off the field on third down, which is huge, and I agree. The the depth of target that we're going to see Big Ben 
really throw the ball to is perfect for Najee Harris and getting him in space. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm big on him. I really like him. And we and we can argue and debate and people will on Twitter all day about the value of a running back in, in round one. But I really do think that he is going to be very, very productive and an important piece of that offense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They and love what's a interesting is, And Najee yes. is that like that is the definition of Najee Harris's workhorse. Yeah. And Tomlin, obviously, obviously is in love with him. Like, Everybody and their mother was mocking Najee Harris to the Steelers, and I think there was a reason why. It was very apparent that Tomlin was in love with this dude. And and we had an interesting thing happen when we were streaming live for the uh, the SB Nation NFL show during the 2021 NFL draft. Kate, not only were you on with us, but when the Steelers made their pick and, and you had left to do your your ritual with your wife, we had on uh, Jeff Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain to break down the pick. And then while that was going on, Rob Stats Carrera, our host, brought in two fellas from Baltimore Beatdown to get <laughs> their thoughts on the pick and uh, try to create some tension, some some debate between uh, Jeff Hartman, Behind the Steel Curtain, and Baltimore Beatdown, and our, and our guy uh, Jake Luck and uh, Spencer Schultz from Baltimore Beatdown. So let's throw it to, to a clip of that audio and hear them break it down live. Okay. Let's bring in... A couple of people from your division rival, the Baltimore oh, Ravens. Gosh, Let's bring in okay. Jake Luke and Spencer Schultz from Baltimore Beatdown. Two guys? That's oh, right. We're, we're outnumbering you. One of the ways I like to judge moves <laughs> is how other teams in the division think okay. about them. Jake, I'll start with you. What do you What do you think when I tell you that the Pittsburgh Steelers went Najee Harris running back round one? You know, you think about like the all the stigma with taking a running back that early, but you're talking about taking a very good player. And I don't know. It's interesting because you take Patrick Queen last year for the Ravens in the first round. It feels like that's something that can maybe counteract it a little bit. And it's a, it's a devalued position. I think we were having discussions on our own stream. I was probably, to be honest, a little bit hopeful the Steelers were going to do this. So it is what it is, but he's still a very good player. I'm not going to take that away from him. I'm not going to take that away from Jeff here. So it is what it is. You know, I'm, I'm intrigued at the very least. And uh, the value is what it is. And you, you kind of got to do what you got to do if you're the Steelers, you know. Spencer, what do you think? Mike Tomlin loves Najee Harris. Is there any doubt about that in this entire world? <laughs> is there any doubt about that, fellas? Let's be honest here. You're getting a tone setter. You're getting a hard worker. You're getting a five star. And Mike Tomlin is going to love him. I'm excited I, I get goosebumps. I love Najee Harris. He's my number one back. We were, we were on here before on our stream earlier, and he was freaking out about how much he didn't like it because he loves Najee Harris. He's been talking about it for months. That's his guy. So I, I can back him up on that. That's my hardcore RB1. I think that he does everything but have a Saquon Barkley breakaway speed, and I think it makes him better because he knows he has to make you miss. He has that spatial awareness. He has that vision, and I think they're getting a heck of a player. But at the end of the day, it's hard to justify – where the Steelers line is right now, and then taking Najee Harris. So they have to be confident they can go get linemen in the later rounds. And we're back. I mean, it turns out everyone is a fan of Najee Harris. So great pick by the Steelers there, or pick by you, Kate, to uh, say that he's going to outperform these second-year running backs. I, I really like that take. Let's go to your second take, because we have a guy that was selected third round, 67th overall, but may start at the quarterback position for an NFL team. Tell me yeah. about it, Kate. Who is it? I want to talk about Davis Mills, a quarterback drafted to the Houston Texans. I still can hear Rich Eisen screaming, like, what does this mean? I, like, if anybody <laughs> was watching the like live NFL broadcast, you will remember what I'm talking about because 
I literally just hear him screaming that in my nightmares every single night. <laughs> what does this mean? Because he freaked <laughs> out. No, we know what this means. Uh, the Houston Texan Texans are making a contingency plan. Davis Mills out of Stanford, uh, of course, didn't face, you know, necessarily the toughest competition. Uh, but among quarterbacks with at least 200 dropbacks in the 2020 season in the NCAA, ranked ninth in adjusted completion percentage, 11th in big time throw rate. So that's, you know, big throws down the field, throws into a tight pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he's got third round draft capital. And you know what? Like, let's be honest, that that was their first pick. So yes, that is essentially first first round draft capital for the Houston Texans. But I think regardless of how you see this situation in Houston shaking out, whether or not you think Deshaun Watson stays with the team, I think regardless of that, we can expect that he's probably not going to be on any football field in 2020, regardless of what roster he is with. So throw Deshaun Watson out of the mix. Who's he competing with? Tyrod Taylor, the perennial backup. Um, I mean, Tyrod Taylor, really solid quarterback, but I do think that, I mean, you're going to have to get to the point. We already know what Tyrod Taylor is. We have known what Tyler Tyrod Taylor is for a long time. You're going to have to get to the point where you see what Davis Mills could be. Um, and I mean, his, his coaches at Stanford, of course, speak very highly of him. They feel like he's ready uh, as a decision maker in the NFL. And I mean, look, and you know, some of these two quarterback fantasy leagues, Davis Mills is still being drafted pretty darn late. Um, I've grabbed him in the third round of two quarterback leagues in my rookie wow. drafts. That's bonkers. And that's crazy value because any starting quarterback, usually, unless they're pure garbage, will find some sort of success. I, I, think he's worth a, a late round flyer there davis mills i mean i, I watched the guy and I, I had a hard time seeing what the appeal was but then like every now and then he would make like a throw and you're like okay i guess i see what nfl <laughs> teams are, are are seeing here and, and and making him draftable it's just a matter of consistency and doing it all the time um i, I someone had mentioned like i see andrew luck when i watch him I'm like i don't i don't i don't see that <laughs> but <laughs> right. like he he can make some big plays and not yeah. all of his um, you know, his, part of his strength has been, you know, sort of how quickly he's able to process and make a decision. Mm-hmm. It's not always the right decision. Um, <laughs> but it, like, I, I think the, the tools are there. It will he have a super high fantasy ceiling? No, but in these sort of leagues where, I mean, gosh, week three, a quarterback goes down and you're spending a hundred percent of your fab money on the backup. Like, yeah, I want Davis Mills on my team in all of those, all of those situations, I'll take them every single time. There's a like a quote from The Sopranos. I'm paraphrasing, but like Tony Soprano had a big, big decision to make, and his and his uh, consigliere still is like, look, doesn't matter if it's the right decision or the wrong decision, just make a decision because it needs <laughs> to happen. So that's what Davis Mills is about as a, as a quarterback. Let's let's uh, switch. Uh, we'll stay in the AFC, but let's switch divisions here. We're going to talk about the uh, the Chargers here because they drafted two guys. One running back, one wide receiver, I believe, what was it, third and, and sixth round, uh, respectively, there. Uh, Kate, you, you think there's a lot of potential there to get some steals, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm a huge, huge fan of both of these picks, and I think that uh, these are two picks that are being really undervalued, uh, at least in the, the rookie drafts that I'm participating in right now for Dynasty Leagues. 
Uh, Josh Palmer, third round draft capital, he's 6'1", 210, played at Tennessee. Looking at his stats, he never had a season that popped, never exceeded 484 receiving yards. So like the analytics crowd, you're not going to be super happy with that. You you didn't get that early domination that we know is, uh, you know, so uh, can be so predictive of success at the NFL level. But Mm -hmm. let's look at the opportunity that he could have. His strength was playing on the outside. Mike Williams is probably set to leave the team in 2022. They did pick up his fifth round option, but he is at the end of his rookie contract. And I don't know that he's necessarily done enough as they, they look to, you know, continue to build a new team around Justin Herbert. I'm not a hundred percent sure that uh, he's going to remain with the team. And if he doesn't, Josh Palmer is really an instant fit right in that spot. He's got, NFL size. Um, he he's got not necessarily the the yardage production to back it up, but his tape uh, shows him as a, a physical receiver that kind of reminds me of Mike Williams a little bit. So you know they shored up the offensive line. You're gonna give Justin Herbert some time to throw, and I think him and Josh Palmer are gonna be set to connect in in the future comings. And then Larry Roundtree, let's talk about him. Six-round running back out of Missouri, uh, 5'10", 209. That's, you know, the the perfect mix of of height and weight there for an NFL running back. Uh, prototypical size. He's got some nice burst. Not a huge receiver. He's also kind of got some small hands. But, I mean, let's look at the, the rest of the Los Angeles Chargers running back core and tell me he could not be instantly slated in for a – first or second down role while you continue to have Austin Eckler sort of filling in that that workhorse role, which I, I think he's capable of. I mean, Kalen Balaj and Joshua Kelly, they combined for 200, uh, yeah, 200 rushing attempts last season. Uh, neither of them averaged higher than 3.3 yards per attempt, only scored five touchdowns. Uh, combined on those touches, uh, just 650 yards together. But they did see plenty of red zone carries. Uh, Austin Eckler saw two on the season, while Kalen Balazs and Joshua Kelly combined for 15 red zo- or end zone carries. I just think that Larry Roundtree might be one of those guys that comes out of nowhere and actually gets some touches and gets reps because, I mean, the 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 line of people behind him is very few and far between. He could be an instant lock for uh, maybe some early touchdown production that kind of comes out of left field. And when you look at the the Chargers and their their history, especially with injuries, I mean, in 2019, per football outsiders, 30th in adjusted games loss. In 2020, they were 27th in adjusted games loss. This is a team that is notoriously banged up all the time and doesn't seem to be able to find or can find the fix for it. And you mentioned Mike Williams. Like, he played most of the games last year, but he has a history of back issues. He's got the, the C6 in his in his neck that he that he fractured while at Clemson. Like, there's a, there's a long uh, history there for him and for the Chargers. So if any of those guys get banged up, it's their, it's those two's chance to to come up and uh, and make some plays uh, for the Chargers. Kate, when we come back, we got three more takes from your six pack that is coming up next here on the SB Nation NFL Show. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience. 
because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And we're back here on the SB Nation NFL show. We are talking about the 2021 NFL Draft, the, the impact it could have on the fantasy world. I'm here with Kate Majuk, Clairvoyant Kate, breaking it down for you with six takes on what the the draft did to the fantasy landscape. Let's get into take number four. And uh, I, I love this guy. Uh, just a, a, a unicorn of a of a not not really. Well, Kyle Pitts coming in kind of you know <laughs> kind of changes that. The, the existence of of Kelsey kind of changes that. But you know what I mean. Just a, I think he's a fantastic athlete. I think he's a really really good player. Kate, the the tight end position. It might get a little crowded at the top, and uh, we might have a new person starting to get in those uh, those debates for like top three tight end in the NFL. Oh, I I think T.J. Hawkinson is a is a pure lock. If he's on the field, he's going to be a top four in the 2021 fantasy football season, uh, if not top three. Mm. They only, I mean, the Lions. When you look at their offense, it's uh, it's bare bones. All right, yeah. it's Jared Goff. Uh, DeAndre Swift, good, decent start there. Uh, and then the wide receiver core, uh, Tyrell Williams, Brashad Perryman, and Quintez Cephas. Uh, and then, you know what? Surprisingly, the Lions did not make a move and they didn't make a huge play in the draft where they could have, you know, made an effort to get one of these top end guys. They did not. Uh, they they came out, drafted uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, yeah. Uh, I hope I've been pronouncing that correctly, uh, but he's 5'11", 197. He's not like a super, uh, uh, you know, striking prospect, but he's got sure. that early breakout age, which, you know, people love for uh, indicative, uh, you know, fantasy performances. But, I mean, he's still a rookie wide receiver, and, it, you know, we don't really have many other passing options. TJ Hawkinson could easily easily see 120 targets on the season because who else are we going to pass it to? Uh, but Jared Goff, let's look at what he's done with the tight end position over the last two years. In the 2020 season, Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett, we know they were splitting snaps. Both of them involved as blockers, but together they combined for 122 targets, 938 receiving yards, six touchdowns going back to the 2019 season. 2019 season. Combined for 149 targets, 1,142 receiving yards, and five touchdowns. Jared Goff, I think, is comfortable with the tight end. The issue was that uh, Kyle Shanahan's scheme didn't really uh, nail that into one specific guy. But TJ Hawkinson is the guy. The only guy they have behind him is Darren Fells, who has not made any sort of major impact at the NFL level. Uh, seriously 120 targets is i I feel like almost shortchanging him at this point 
Yeah, there's not a lot around him. And you look at like the other tight end, I think they just brought in uh, Darren Fells, who has never had more than, well, only once in his career has had more than 21 catches uh, in a year, known more as a as a blocking tight end. And TJ Hawkins, you don't have to take him off the field in running situations either, and because he's going to be great in the play action game uh, uh, for them, which is hopefully a, a big piece of what they try to do with Jared Goff, because uh, he was so successful with it uh, with the uh, with the Rams. So I'm I'm all in on on TJ Hawkinson. Who else should we be all in as a as a receiving threat? Because you look at the Titans and we talk about it like a like a you know not many options for the Lions. Well. The Titans kind of had their their own issues with keeping talent in house. Corey Davis is now gone. Jonu Smith also gone, and and that had a big uh, impact on their production uh, moving from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one. There's there is a void there, right, Kate? There is a massive void, and we're looking at uh, AJ Brown, who obviously had a fantastic twenty twenty season. Uh, did did a lot to establish him as a true wide receiver. One, he's averaging 17.4 yards per reception through his NFL career. He's had 19 touchdowns. Uh, and you know what? Think about the fact that as an NFL wide receiver, he's never had fewer than a thousand receiving yards or eight touchdowns. You love that. He does profile as the the total dominant number one, but the losses there is what just makes me think that. Uh, he's going to take his 106 targets from the 2020 season, and that is going to blossom into 140, 150 targets as I'm projecting the Titans right now. They lost Corey Davis, 92 targets, Jonu Smith, 65. Not to mention these like low-key losses of Adam Humphreys, Khalif Raymond. All of these combined are, are 207 targets from the 2020 season gone. That is a 43% target share. So I, that's that's significant. And I do think that, um, you know, with the fact that they didn't make a move in the draft, I was really hoping that they would go for Elijah Moore in the first. They didn't make that play. They didn't even address the position until round six with Racy McMath. There's no way in the world that I think they're going to be able to uh, bring in another receiver that's going to, uh, you know, dominate to the level where we're going to see a uh, a drop in target share for AJ Brown. I think he's easily the guy, and uh, I, I'm going to liken it to, you know, the way that we've just taken for granted that Devonte Adams is going to get 150, 160 targets per season as just the only guy there. I think we're going to be able to apply that to AJ Brown very easily in the coming season. What I love about Brown is that obviously he's got, you know, the the size, speed, you know, all that stuff to be a downfield threat. But he does a lot of his damage after the catch, you know, in his rookie year, eight eight point nine yards after the catch per reception that he's picking up on his own. Uh, the next year, six point two, which when you look at the different thresholds at PFF, uh, you, you can see that that's second in the NFL for wide receivers for yards after the catch per reception. And he's that is, a monster. He's yes. six foot, 226 pounds. Like that, I mean, yards after the catch, it's, you know, difficult because you're you're going against NFL corners who've, you know, maybe got 4'3 speed. But A.J. Brown, he's 226 pounds and he's just, he's gone. He can, he can force missed tackles. He's just so fun to watch. And we're going to see him get a lot of targets in 2021. And it's going to be good for your fantasy teams. I'm telling you, I will be drafting him as my wide receiver one in the 2021 season. 
Yeah. And look, Yak can not be a sticky stat all the time, but when you watch Brown, you understand why those things are happening. And if no matter what you thought of his projection to the NFL in college, you at least knew that after the catch, this this dude was going to be a full grown deer running down the field. <laughs> and that has definitely translated to the uh to the NFL. Let's go to another wide receiver that you're really uh really high on here because the Las Vegas Raiders signed the guy on the cheap. He's 31 years old, base salary of around 1.5 mil. I think he's a cap hit of uh, 3.5 next year for them. But he brings a little bit of juice to that offense, and you think he could be a, a real highlight. I think this guy has a chance to emerge as like the most productive uh, wide receiver here in this group here. I, it's not a, a voluptuous group of wide receiver talent, um, but John Brown, I think he is going to be fantasy relevant in the 2021 season. And uh, I just did a mock with the NFL fantasy uh, broadcast. And guess what? I got him in the 14th round. Um, I, he's just going to be such a massive value. I want to take you guys back to the 2020 season. All right. He finished as the wide receiver 20 and half PPR formats. I want you to I want you to take a guess uh, where Stefan Diggs finished because it was one spot behind John Brown actually Jeez. in his final year with the Vikings. Obviously, he had uh, you know there was some gruntle disgruntleness uh, <laughs> there with that situation, but Stefan Diggs he finished one spot behind John Brown, and you might say, well, what about the points per game? They both played fifteen games. John Brown averaged 12.3 fantasy points per game. Stefan Diggs averaged 12 fantasy points per game. Do I think he's set for like a, a wide receiver one performance at this point? No, but I want you guys to consider what Nelson Aguilar was able to accomplish in that offense. I, I think despite the fact that none of us are huge fans of Derek Carr, um, he's actually, he, he did very well as a passer down the field uh, when he was willing to to throw it deep, he was one of PFF's most highly graded passers on deep throws of 20 plus yards. That is John Brown's bread and butter. Um, if he, uh, uh, sorry, passer rating of 117 uh, down the field, mm -hmm. that was his highest passer rating, uh, you know, anywhere, even behind the line of scrimmage uh, on the short passes, medium passes. No, he literally... Uh, he he got this team as far as he did with the way he threw the deep ball, um, made a lot of big time throws. I think that, you know, if we see Mr. Carr continue in this this trajectory with, uh, you know, the way he's been throwing the deep ball as as efficiently as he has, John Brown is going to eat and he's going to have weekly wide receiver two upside and you're going to be able to get him on the cheap. And if you're if you're in a dynasty league. Uh, you can throw pennies at the John Brown receiver manager, unless it's me, and walk away with a guy that you're going to be able to start on a weekly basis. Look, I have a hard time believing anybody is going to be taking away deep targets away from speed demon Hunter Renfro. Uh, but I, <laughs> I actually like Hunter Renfro. I don't know why I threw shade on him like that. Uh, but John Brown, Smokey Brown, Las Vegas Raiders, book it. Kate is saying he's good to go. He's going to bring you some value. Kate, that does it for our six-pack of takes of how the NFL draft impacted the fantasy landscape. Uh, any last words for the gentle listeners before we hit the old uh, dusty trail? Yeah, I, I think that we need to consider, and I want everybody out there who's in that process of going through the NFL draft and you know getting their takeaways from it, 
we need to remember that sometimes what the teams in the NFL draft don't walk away with is uh, as powerful for and impactful for your fantasy teams as the players they actually drafted. So look at look at those voids because sometimes I think that's where we're going to find a lot of value in these situations. Um, in the guys like John Brown because they just didn't bring any any other wide receiver talent through the draft and it's a barren room. Look at those look at those voids and we're gonna we're gonna win some fantasy leagues in 2021 and I'm so pumped for it. Very nice. I can tell you one place where we don't have a void of talents is the SB Nation NFL show. Thank you for uh, joining me here, Kate, for your six pack of takes. Thank you, gentle listeners, for joining us for the ride. We hope you got some value out of this and we will catch you next time. Monday Football Monday, right around the corner. Enjoy your weekend. Go dominate. Have yourselves a day. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.